Hey guys, it's Lavetta. And it's Miriam. And this is Notorious Women Podcast, a comedy podcast about some of history's most notorious women. I'm sorry That's you right. were about to say something funny. Oh my God, I don't even remember. My brain just uh, left the building. Isn't that good? It is. It is summer. It's so. summer. And it's finally hot in Southern California. And yeah, that was I didn't reminds I me. used to I used to complain about the heat. Like, oh God, it's so yeah, hot. Yeah. And then like the first couple of weeks of June was like yes, cold. Yes. And I was like, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's time to be too hot. Time to be too hot. But then the problem is that I'm not at summer camp. Do you know I what know. I mean? Like, I don't I'll know why no pole. one my mother did not sign me up this year. I'm confused. <laughs> Adulting sucks sometimes. I don't sometimes adulting is great, but you know. But in this case scenario, I I think we need to reduce society completely. But I will say this: kids can make fun anywhere and out of anything. Like you know, literally, what? But you they can just can also, give them. Like I hear you, but they can also start fights out of anything yes. and with anyone. Which is entertaining, but like a kid, like when you were a kid and you had a swimming pool, like either in your complex or like, or like a, a like one of those like blow up pools or whatever, you thought it was the someone has thing a water ever. source. Yeah, it's right. true. And then when you get older, you're like, it's kind of a shitty pool, but you know, oh my so much god, when you're a kid, so I live in a community that has like like we don't have a pool, but th- there's a community pool, and we were with friends at the pool, and apparently like the sprinklers went on. So a bunch of kids were like, oh, my God, get out of the pool and run to those sprinklers. And I was like, we work so hard to make an actual swimming pool available to you. And, you you know, the sprinklers have been available the whole time. OK, the whole time, because the it's also time. like like water in the air flying around. You want to run yeah. through it like like it's just like so much fun. Why don't we do this more often? Because, you know, HOA is not free, baby. Jump in the pool. Okay. Well, on that note, I think we should get started. Let's get started. Who's your notorious woman for me this week? Because I believe, yes, you are first. Let you me, are first this week. Let me call it. Those were the first worldest problems anyone could ever have. I, I am know. aware. Like, I heard it. Yes. I know. But I mean, it's, that's, I know as an American, you don't think that we're privileged at all because we don't live in a fancy house in Beverly Hills or, or. It turns out I do not. Bel Air. You know, but it's just like, yeah, those are first world problems. But that's why children are so, kids have no sense of money, right? So they're like, yeah, we can find like a water host and have fun. At the same time, they're like, I don't know why we're not in Hawaii right now, mother. Like, why not? Like, let's just go. I wish a kid would say that. Like, you know, you know, your child is a spoiled brat if they are like. My children say that. And I'm like, let me tell you why we're not in Hawaii right now. Okay. You know what? You should you should always respond like any uh black or immigrant parent, I would say, is like when you have Hawaiian money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and I kinda do. I'm like, well, baby, you get a job. Yep. Right? You got and Hawaiian since you're money. Living, you're living rent free in my house, right? You could save it. You could save all of your job money. Right. And they're like, is there a job that doesn't require work, mother? And I'm like, no. I mean, let's get this YouTube channel popping. Listen, there is kids. There are five year olds making $10 million. Come on, kid. What you doing? What you doing? Like Like, they have parents who won't allow them to do it. 
know. And they're so mad. My kids would love it. They were like, let's be YouTube stars. I'm like, nope. I I have control over you until you're 18. Mm -mm. Nope. Yeah. Well, you have control over them until they're about 13 or 14. Then they'll sneak into their room and do stuff that you don't know. Hopefully it's just stupid YouTube stuff and not like. I know. Yeah. I'm like. Yeah, because I got to go to sleep sometime. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. Kids are very smart when they get, they get to that age. Yeah, Kids but we're are smarter. really smart. Yeah, we st- like for now, but like only for now. Okay. Also, because you're crossed. not delusional like some parents. Like, my kid is fine. It's like, you're like, what you doing in there? Oh, yeah. No, I don't trust anybody. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Don't trust anybody. Kidding? Yeah. Uh, All right. So who's your notorious woman this week? My notorious us? woman. This is going to be a little different today. Okay. So, Arundhati Kaju. No. I think I said it right. She's Indian. She's from India. Okay. Um, And I just really wanted to talk about her, but I don't have a ton about her childhood. I, I, she is in her 40s and is living her life now. Um, She was born in, ni- in August 19th, 1982 in Praia Graj, India. Uh, she is a lawyer and she qualifies to practice both in India and New York. And she has litigated litigated many notable cases at the Supreme Court of India and the Delhi High Court. And I would like to talk about what she did oh, and fancy. how she lives her life. Because she's a notorious woman and we just, you know, we got to find our way around how we uh, approach her because she's badass. All right. Okay. So she litigated the Section 377 case. So what is that? So in 2013, the Indian Supreme Court upheld the law, which was called the sodomy law. Uh, and she had litigated that and she lost, essentially. Uh, that was called the Suresh Suresh. Kumamoto Kushal versus Nas Foundation. So in 2018, in the Navtej Singh Johar versus mm, ORS, ORS Organizations, I don't know, and, listen, I'm not really sure. It's the 377 case versus Union of India through Secretary Ministry of Law and Justice. As I said, the 377 case. There was a landmark decision of the Supreme Court of India that decriminalized all consensual sex among adults, including homosexual sex. So this is something I think she'd been fighting for years Mm -hmm. and she won. Um, The court was asked to determine the constitutionality of Section 377 of the Indian Penal Code, which was a colonial era law. I mean, right? Always goes back to the colonizers. You know, I like... I'm not even looking for it. It just shows up. It's right? in every fabric fiber of modern civilizations. So it really is. Really yeah. is. You cannot avoid it. Nope. Everywhere. Nope. Um uh it and and this law criminalized homosexual acts as quote unnatural offense. Why is the law in my bedroom? Like what do you care? What do you care? Oh, what do you care? I'm a consenting wow. adult. Go away. Exactly. Um, so this, exactly. 
The statute criminalized also all anal sex and all oral sex between what everybody and oral sex. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Like, how something, dare they? Something tells me that that only usually goes one way. Something tells and me to agree with what you just said. Yeah. The men are like, the straight cis men are like, I don't want to have to do that. So let's make it illegal. So if my wife asked. Right. So baby, it's illegal. <laughs> That's illegal. Do you want me to go to jail? You want me to so go to jail? So let me tell you, this woman is our hero. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in September 6, 2008, a September 6, 2018, the court unanimously declared the law unconstitutional, quote, insofar as it criminalizes consensual sexual conduct between adults of the same sex, unquote. So the verdict was hailed as a landmark decision for LGBT rights in India. Um, it says LGBT, but LGBTQI yeah. plus for, ev- yes. for everyone, really. Um, and campaigners waited outside the court cheering after the verdict was pronounced. Oh, good news. Good news. Um, There were elements to that section 377 that I should note, if you are aware of this, that sex with minors, non-consensual sexual acts um, remained in force. So if you're like, there was some good things, they kept the good things. Yes. Go India. Yeah, right? Listen. Yeah. By the way, abortion is still legal in all of India. Point that out. Well, there's that. Yeah. America, bitches. America. Yeah, America. Mm-hmm. Um, America's getting, like, shorter and shorter in mm. the word. It was America. It was America. Now it's like America. 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 It's really America. a grunt. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry. Something in my throat. Um <laughs> So she also litigated in the case of a trans man being illegally confined by his parents. So what? What happened? So in Shivani Bhatt versus National Capital Territory of Delhi and others, Kachu, she represented Shivani Bhatt, who was a 19-year-old trans man who was deceitfully brought from the United States to India by his parents. So she filed a writ petition in the Delhi High Court on behalf of him for protection from harassment and his right to return to the United States. The Delhi High Court ruled in favor of Shivani and ordered inter alia. I don't know what that means. That's lawyer speak. That Shivani's parents must return his travel documents so he could travel back to the United States. Um, And the court reaffirmed his right to self-determination, travel and education. Wow. Okay, India. Go India. Right? Now, she also litigated in other big cases that I'm going to touch on, but not a lawyer, so not a historian. So, you know, I read it and I was like, oh, that's that's complicated. So not for my brain. (laughs) Um, There was the Augusta Westland bribery case. And the 2G spectrum corruption case. So, I mean, kind of interesting. Look it up. Yeah. Now, also the Jessica Lal murder case, which is a really interesting case, but it's just all about her and not about um, 
okay, I want to say her name right, Arundhati. So I decided okay. not to go too deep. So her law practice encompasses white-collar defense, general civil litigation, and public interest cases. So she obtained a B-A-L-L-B honorary. I guess that's what, like a law degree, okay? Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what anything means. So I think law letters. degree is JD in the United States, but maybe in India is something but else. But I think it's India, it's more letters. Is, I don't know. Okay. Oh, I mean, hey. Right? Guess. You know, I mean, I would want a lot of letters. If I became yeah. if I became a lawyer, I'd be like, yes, all the letters. Look yes. what I did. Exactly. <laughs> uh, from the National Law School of India University, Bangalore, in 2005. So after practicing at the Indian Bar for 11 years, she enrolled in the LL dot m program i don't know what that is in 2017 at columbia university new york where she was a human rights fellow james kent scholar and public interest honoree so in the year 2019 in an interview with cnn farid zakaria she revealed that she was in a relationship with lawyer menaka guru swami um and it was with menaka that she convinced the supreme court in 2018 to decriminalize Section 377. So what I didn't say earlier is that they did it together and they are uh, a lesbian couple, an open lesbian oh, couple. Oh, I love it. Love it. Isn't that awesome? You go, girl. Um, they have both advanced LGBTQAI+. Plus, plus I. Uh, plus AI. Plus, <laughs> just all the pluses. Uh, rights as lawyers in India and have been named this year's recipients of the Thomas Jefferson Foundation Medal in Law. Um, so this is a quote. What is that? So it's sponsored jointly by the University of Virginia and the Thomas Jefferson Foundation. And they, they you're going to have opinions. Ready? Mm-hmm. They say, I'm going to join you in your opinions. The nonprofit organization that owns and operates Monticello Thomas Jefferson Foundation medals are awarded each year to recognize the achievements of those who embrace endeavors in which Jefferson, author of the Declaration of Independence, third U.S. president and founder of the University of Virginia, excelled and held in high regard. Um, I mean, so, you know, mm, Mm. sometimes, like, I think it's kind of fitting because, like, would Thomas Jefferson... Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. You know, when it comes to queer rights, it's so interesting because sometimes the far back you go, the more um, uh, advanced they were in their thinking about gender stuff. Oh, that's like, true. That is true. You know, gender and sexual stuff is interesting. Um, not racism, obviously, or no. Uh, no. having sex with very young girls like kind mm. of Sally Hemings. Uh, yeah. Oh, another yep. story. Uh, yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, but I mean, listen, our founding fathers are very, very flawed. Um, yes. So yeah, it is what it is, but I mean, you you know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, his, and his descendants, you know, you do what you can with the name and, you know, his, sometimes you wonder if they're, uh, if they would approve of what their descendants have done with their namesake or their legacy. And uh, I we don't know the answer because they're not here. So I just, I think it's fascinating that, you know. Yeah, but if that's what it takes. Indian women who are a couple. But you know what? Like, take something, you know, questionable and make it good. 
Yeah, let's just take it. Yeah. Like, listen, if it if it uh, helps her with her work, uh, I'm all for it. Get that money. <laughs> exactly. Um, so in 2016, she was ordered the Human Rights Fellowship by Columbia University and the Women's International Leadership Program Fellowship at International House New York. She was also awarded Columbia Law School's Herman N. Finkelstein Memorial Fellowship 2018 and 2019. Um, And in 2018, she was a U.S.-Italy Young Leaders Fellow. She was also a TEDx speaker at TEDx Ferhadija 19, uh, where she spoke about how, quote, stories can change the law. In April 2019, she was included on the Time 100 Times list of the 100 most influential people in the world, alongside Menachem Guruswami. I love in, this. Right? In, two, in June 2019, to mark the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall Riots, an event widely considered a watershed moment in the modern LGBTQI++ rights movement, right? Stonewall, we all know. Uh, Queer tea named her one of Pride 50 trail, quote, trailblazing individuals who actively ensure society remains moving towards equality, acceptance, and dignity for all queer people. Yes. Yes. Right? Yes. Okay. Love that. And like, that's what I have of her. She's written a lot of articles um, that you can like look up that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she has an opinion piece, 377 verdict is a new dawn, not just for LGBT rights, but for individual liberties in India. Mm. Um, you know, she uh, has another article, LGBT rights. And in, it's interesting because everything and I don't know everything I've read about what she's done. It's all LGBT, LGBT, which is everything. Yeah in the u.s is lgbtqia like they're they're adding to it i love that uh rights in india the doctrine of constitutional morality and counter majoritarianism in the context of institutional supremacy and if that title doesn't tell you how smart she is (laughs) i don't know what does i know wow she's extraordinary yeah, right? This she is, really Yeah. This is our kind of notorious woman. She's you know getting rid of confronting bigotry uh in places that it means the most in the court. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it so, really the, the more that happens like worldwide, the the more the better we are. The better we you are. Know? I think I mean She's doing God's work or the universe's work or whoever you, know, you serve. Like the crystals uh, work. Yeah. The energies like, work. The stuff that uh her legacy is that she's making um through her work the lives of people better and freer. Yeah. And I mean so, huge, and happier. that's huge strides for India, for huge for the world. Thank you for sharing that. And her name again? Her name is Arundhati Kachu. Arun Hati Kachu. I love that. Thank you so much. You're um, welcome. My notorious woman this week is the equal badass. Uh, okay. I'm going, like last week, I'm going back. I'm going way back. 
Oh my, oh, okay. Old, old school. Old, okay. Old, old, old All school. right. All right. Uh, <laughs> so my notorious woman this week is Kandake Ama- Amani Reynas. Okay. AKA I don't, okay. Kandake Amani Reynas, AKA the warrior queen of Kush. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and again, forgive me if I butchered that. I'm sure I did in my American accent. Um, but uh, Kandaki Am- Am- Aman- Amani Reynas, uh, a.k.a. Okay. the Warrior Queen of Kush, uh, Kandaki, I'll, I'll call her Amani Reynas. Um, so she basically, um, so a little context. So basically she's okay. the Queen of Kush. And so Kush was the kingdom to the south of Egypt. Okay. Which was pretty much divided into into two. The north was dry and barren, uh, and while the south was a lot more prosperous and lush. Okay. But for a long time, the rulers of Kush actually preferred to stay in the north, uh, not just to keep an eye on the Egyptian border, but also because it, it gave them control of all the trade that was coming up from the prosperous southern kingdoms of Africa ah. to Egypt. And there, you know, they say there's black pharaohs. Yes. Um, and they were uh, Kushites, these pharaohs. Oh, So the okay. Kush, when you know people say Nubian king and queen, yes. it's the people from Kush. That's what they're referring to. Oh, I did so, not know that. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, pretty much Kush was in like a perfect location because, again, controlling the trade. It was all about the trade back then. Um, and it also likely had the kingdom of Punt, a.k.a. a massively wealthy African civilization to the east. And so oh. had control of the vast amounts of trade, which made them enormously wealthy and prosperous. Um, Kush eventually grew so wealthy and powerful that they actually conquered the Egyptian dynasty and ruled over it. And again, wow. they, that's why you had some of the um, uh, some of the pharaohs, quote unquote, were black, but they're all African because it's in Africa. Um, eventually, right. the inv- the invading Assyrians pushed them out around 650 BCE. So that's how old this is. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And so then the Kushites returned to their homeland, moving further south to a city called Mero, which would be used as the royal capital for the next thousand years. Wow. This is how old the kingdom of Kush is. Now, ancient Kush in particular is an extremely interesting uh, civilization to study. Uh, It had a complex language, which they still haven't managed to decipher a lot of it. Really? Uh, They had incredible artwork and metalwork alongside monumental temples and pyramids. That's right. They had pyramids, too. Okay. Yep. Their control of the trade routes into Egypt meant that gold, ivory, incense, leopard skins, and all the other must-have items for the Egyptian elite had to come through the Kushites first. Oh, wow. That's power right there. Yeah. And one of the rulers of this powerful and prosperous uh, kingdom was a Nubian. Uh, is a number of them, actually. There were many okay. Nubian warrior queens, they called them. Because in Kush, they practice uh, matrilineal secession, which basically means that the right to rule passed through the women of the royal family. That just makes sense to me. Yeah. Now, it didn't always mean that they always it was only women who ruled, but the women were basically in charge of deciding who would rule next. I like that. It makes more yeah. sense. So because like, for instance, so if a man was being crowned ruler during the coronation ceremony, his mother would announce to the god Amun that, quote, their child was ready to take the throne. 
Oh, well. So the mother would have to announce it. Listen, and so, as a mother, I approve. Yes, <laughs> I thought that's you would. how it should be. Now, women in this position were often given the honorific term of kandake, meaning great woman in, in the Nubian language. Um, and it was also a royal title usually given to female rulers. <clears throat> and it could also extend to the king's wife. So, okay. But Kandake would later uh, lead to some confusions, however, with the white people, with the Greeks and the Romans, who thought that these women were all uh, called Candace. Oh, my God. It's a very yeah, different that's right. word. That's all I'm saying. I mean, they translated it into Greek uh, as Candace. And so they thought all these women were named Candace versus like, <laughs> it's like thinking all of them are named Pharaoh. Like right. Pharaoh's the name, but it's Pharaoh, da-da, Pharaoh, da-da. So yeah. yeah. I mean, that seems simple because they could do it for the men, but for some reason they couldn't do it for the women. Yeah, um, I don't think they will. Now That's during this time, story, isn't it? Yeah. It's an old story. Like really? remember our other episode about um, <clears throat> the Mayan queen uh, the yes. same thing, basically, with the Kandake. So they could own their own land, conduct their own businesses, and basically were just independent women. So all, like, if she's capable, she's, she's yes. queen mother. Like, yeah. Makes sense. Now, but on top of that, their influence was so great that often if the, if the ruling king, their son, or the man they were in control over, displeased them, they could order him to commit ritual suicide. Oh my God! And then pr- then promote his successor to take or take power for herself. That's how powerful these Damn, women were. Damn, that is power. Yeah. Like now, I would say that's too much power. Except I live in this day and age, and like maybe it's not. <laughs> I don't maybe know. Maybe it's not. Now the the Kushite uh, uh, the Kush uh, Empire moved its capital after it moved to Miro. The surviving dynasty would go on to have five different rulers, three of which were women. And one okay. of the most significant was ones was Our Lady Today, Kandake Am- Amani Reynas. Okay. Arguably the most famous of that group during that time. Now, Amani Reynas ruled from about 40 BC to about 10 BC. Wow. And often, uh, so often you'll find in like uh, the West, they'll refer to her as Queen Candace of Ethiopia. But again, Candace is a misunderstanding of the incorrect. title. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and while she ruled uh, what the Romans knew as Ethiopia, it's actually in modern day Sudan, Sudan. Oh. Yeah. So she ascended to the throne uh, after her husband, Tare Takase, uh, died in 25 BC. Okay. Uh, and she ruled at a significant time because this was at the moment that the Romans were invading Egypt. Oh. So after the Romans invaded Egypt and were successful, they mm. set their eyes on the riches of Cush. Mm, of course they did. But because Amorinus is like, mm, I earned this spot. Uh-huh. She knew what they yep. were up to. Yep. She she saw the writing on the wall. So she was like, you know what? I'm going to go on the offense. So while a Louis Gallus a. Lewis Gallus, the prefect or chief magistrate of India, of, of uh, I'm sorry, not India, of Egypt, the Roman who had conquered and he was in charge of Egypt, was away fighting a campaign in Arabia in 24 BC. Okay. Amorinus exploited this weakness of the leaderless state of Egypt and yes. with some 30,000 soldiers launched an attack 
capturing a whole series of Roman forts. Okay. <laughs> yes, and they girl. were victorious. Get it. Okay. So much so that she found a statue of the Emperor Augustus and took its head, carrying it with her back to Moreau, where she buried it at under the footsteps of a temple dedicated to her victory. So every time someone entered, they literally wiped their feet <laughs> on the Roman emperor's head. Oh, that's amazing. Boom. Yes. Come on. I fucking love her. Come on. La- Listen, mic drop right there. Yes. Mic drop. Right there. Uh, and she's like, not only will I walk, uh, rub, uh, wipe my feet on his head, but all the Kush mm. citizens will be yes. able to do that. Now, fun fact, they found the head in Moreau in 1912. Oh. And now resides in the British Museum. Of course it resides in the British Museum. Yeah. Because and what even, about Africa shouldn't reside in the British yes, Museum? I, I mean, technically it is. I guess it's the Roman, but whatever. So. Um, today, I mean, that's fair. That's fair. But yes. she took it. It's hers. But now. she took it. It's hers. Exactly. Yeah. And she took it in defeat. Yeah. Now, today, there's a temple in Moreau decorated with drawings of Roman prisoners and victorious Nubian queens. So they documented it. Oh, well, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Um, now, um, Solange Ashby, an e- e- Egyptologist and postdoctoral fellow at the University of California, says that such depictions are typical for the period and indicative of a wider culture where femininity and willingness to engage in warfare were not contradictory. Yes. OK, thank you. Yep. Now, as you can imagine, the Romans didn't take too well to this. They were like, really? They were like, what? What? What now? Say what now? Um, but so- I'm Roman. And I'm, yeah, I'm um, male and European. How dare so you? So they fought back against Amorinus. I mean, like, she's a warrior queen or for a reason. Yeah, now, I guess. Until recently, Western scholars had accepted the Romans' account of what actually went down <clears throat> after this. So, but today we know better. So according to the Romans' account at first, they okay. drove out the Kushites. Uh, forces from Egypt and forced them all the way back into Kush, where they captured their capital of uh, Napata. But Napata hadn't been the Kushite capital for hundreds of years at that point. Oh. So that's one lie. Now, they also maintained that after they defeated the Kushite armies, the people of Kush were forced to negotiate a peace treaty between uh, them and Augustus, which was signed in the year of t- around 21 or 20 BC and continued okay. until the end of the third century AD. But even according to their own scholars, Roman scholars that believe that that peace treaty was an agreement where this is what they said, where the Romans would leave the territory and the Kushites would never have to pay them tribute. So it's like, <laughs> that's what that was. That doesn't sound like you guys defeated them. No, uh, it sounds like the opposite of that. And they and they maintain that as basically a stalemate. So that's how they came up with that. Mm, but no, uh, now keep it's in mind. A, yeah, go on. All Sorry. of this is happening in the backdrop of the reign of Cleopatra in Egypt oh. and Mark Anthony in Rome, which okay. were defeated in 30 BC by Augustus Caesar. So why would they just agree to just like go go back home and not be paid if they had really won? They wouldn't. They wouldn't. It's some BS. It's yeah. yeah. Uh, now, after this, so they basically went back. They just went back. And t- they retreated. Oh, my God. And then signed a treaty saying that you don't have to pay us tribute. Like, basically, like, I bad. We'll leave you alone for now. Oh, my God. 
yes. She was like, you want to try me again? And they were like, I don't, actually. I'm a little scared. That's right. Like, Tail between knows? your legs. Bye-bye. Yeah, they they probably, and this is, is so interesting when you underestimate people and then you don't come fully prepared and you're like, oh, shit. Like, you basically, they, they went back with their you-know-what in their hands. Mm-hmm. Um, now, after this, so she was successful. She was victorious. She spent the next 11 years of her reign in peace and one of the most prosperous times of Kush history. She was revered and remembered as the Black Warrior Queen who went up against the Roman Empire and succeeded in protecting her country from it. Now, she died in 10 BC. The crown, when she died, the crown passed to another woman, Amane Shaketo, who is believed to be her daughter. Okay. And then Amana Shaketo uh, will continue the successes of her mother and the Kandakes before her to become one of even one, even more wealthy than her mother had and made Kush even more uh, successful and prosperous because, again, they controlled the trade. So that is um, a good daughter right there. Good job. Now, so what happened to why haven't we heard more about the Kandakes in general yeah. and Amarenes and yeah so why haven't we heard of them well because the Kushites ruled Africa for roughly 3,000 years what twice as long as the Roman Empire yeah. so uh you guess it caused racism uh, oh I know. what it's shocking I, know. I don't understand uh, no uh, no we eradicated that with the civil rights amendment because we all know if the Kushites were of European descent, like Greek or whatever, yeah. we would have heard all about them by now. But because they were black and they were black in the sense that what we consider black today, because let's just be clear, black, white is really made up to justify the slave trade. Oh, 100 percent. Because before it was like, oh, the Mongolians or the Africans mm-hmm. or it wasn't like black, white. It wasn't. Bleh. It wasn't we didn't. Any of that. We didn't. We weren't. We didn't race it. We um, nationed it, basically. It, exactly, and so that is why when people say race is a construct, that is what they mean because it didn't exist before then. It um, literally didn't. It literally didn't exist. So ancient. So after the slave trade, they have to backtrack. Uh, now, mm-hmm. yep. that is also why ancient Egypt, which white people are obsessed with, has been the center yes. of debate for many years. Um, and they also debate is African identity, even though Egypt is clearly in Africa. It's Africa. Because it's Africa. It's in. That's a continent. It's, it's on. A, it's a continent. You can't really argue that. I don't know what the argument is. How is there an argument? And also because when we're normally, especially in the West, taught ancient history, it generally comes in the form of about Egypt, Greece or Rome. And it puts forth the idea that Egypt had more in common with those people, those Medi- their Mediterranean neighbors than the rest of Africa. Yeah. So, you know, there is a author that I actually read this when I was in uh, undergrad, uh, a, 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 uh, an author by the name of Martin Bernal. Now, Martin Bernal is a white British man, and he wrote this book called Black Athena. And it raised an interesting point. And then he talks specifically about like before the slave trade, the Greeks mm-hmm. and the Romans would talk about how they got a lot of their knowledge from Africa and they would praise the scholars there, you know, Northern Africa, all of it. Right. They would praise yeah. them for uh, the things that they uh, began to use in mathematics and science. Uh, but after that, there was a concerted effort to whitewash 
um, African history and specifically Egyptian history. So both in modern scholarship and antiquity, with this position on the borders of uh, the Mediterranean and the rest of continental Africa, they were considered, oh, they simply, they're not really black. Egypt is not really. Mm -hmm. You know, and because of this, it allowed them to celebrate ancient Egypt. Excuse me. And then so and separate them from their African heritage. And also we think of Egypt as like an uh, an Arabic state, which it is. But the uh, the Arabia, they also were part. They actually uh, conquered that land from what we would consider black Africans, the Kushites. So it's, uh, it's, it's again, because they didn't break it down into skin color because skin color had a different meaning back then because it it doesn't matter. Uh, mm-hmm. So, but so they were, but that's one of the reasons that Egypt is more uh, studied than Kush is because you it's easier to whitewash Egypt in general than it is in Kush because in Kush, when you go through their monuments, those people are obviously black, what we consider black today, with full full lips, wide noses, all of the things that's also seen in Egypt. But that's one of the reasons that Napoleon kept uh, shooting off the noses of the the, oh my God. the sphinxes and everything because. When you see him, you're like, oh, there's a black person. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, so the, yeah. I mean, I know I know he's a dick, but I didn't know the specifics, I but guess. But you're, you're like, why are all the no Like, they would yeah. find, like, little small uh, statues. They're like, why are all the noses, like, destroyed? It's so weird. It's to obscure that um, that fact. So it's all, it's the whitewashing of Egypt. So, you know, Europeans, modern-day Europeans, a.k.a. white people, could admire ancient Egypt without uh, running up against the illogical idea that black people, African people are inferior. Um, so like, and one of the reasons also, because in some of the ancient uh, Greco-Roman accounts of the people of Kush, uh, or a, as they they uh, call them, atopia, uh, I, to- I don't speak Greek, or, but atopia, which in Greek means, literally means burnt face. Oh, wow. So darker skin. So the okay. monument fresco- frescoes of Kushite rulers, their race has been impossible to ignore. So again, it's very obvious when you find the monuments in Kush. So far from the debate surrounding ethnicity, the Egyptian queens, the Kushite rulers were black. Like they were obviously black. Uh, again, of what people call black today. Right. This was a kingdom of powerful African uh, black rulers whose wealth, control, and influence spanned 3,000 years. You know, one could think of it different ways. You could think, wow, you know, fuck you, Europe, for fucking that up, because that's what happened. Or you could think of it in a different way, and you could think, well, that brings one hope, because we keep looking at our society as, like, forever and never going to change. But actually, we could overturn things, right? Be women-led. I mean, I have a plan here. Are you on board? I mean, no, I mean, I'm always <laughs> on board with that. But also at this time, Europe was still in the Stone Ages, if that. Yeah. Uh, when these people were ruling, because, again, that's and we all know this scientifically, the cradle of civilization is in Africa. So it is. And the first human being is in Africa, is from Africa. But again, because of the modern day slave trade, which is, you know, old to us. But it, but if you look at all of history, it's relatively modern. Right. Um, so that is 
Kandake Amarenas, a.k.a. the warrior queen of Kush. Now, um, by two major sources for uh, today's stories from thequeerclassicist.com and an article by Kai Mora from history.com. And of course, um, Martin Bernal's Black Athena. I highly recommend uh, you guys check out Black Athena. It is, I remember when I read it in college, it blew my mind. Because uh, again, then. this is a um, a white British man who did this research. And it's so funny because there's a, a quote, there's like a soundbite from Sharon Osbourne. He's like, well, how can I be racist about anything? How can I? And I'm like, you should ask Martin Bernal, like your countryman. He will tell you how you can be racist. <laughs> Actually, I have a really good answer for you. I think we all in this room have a good answer for you. Um but, you know, that's like white people doing the work, you know. Um, and then, I mean, I remember learning years ago and I can't, do you, there was a, there was a society, I don't know, I'll look this up, you look this up, we'll look this up, where they found like plumbing. Mm-hmm. It was in Africa. I don't remember where. It was the Congo, maybe? I don't, um, and they shut it down they found it they discovered it it was like an archaeological dig where like thousands of years ago they had already figured out i want to i don't think electricity but i think like plumbing and and like well ahead in terms of sanitation in terms of yep. and they hid it and yep. then they and then they lied about who lived there there's, I, I'll do you one uh, better. Another one. There's, uh, there's this debate called uh, the Great Zimbabwe. It's called Great Zimbabwe, and Great Zimbabwe is basically a uh, a straw a structure a a structure of a um, uh, the royal uh, palace, basically the royal city of okay. uh, before it became Zimbabwe. It's, it was I forget what its ancient name is, and it's it's a city that was built completely by with with bricks but there's no mortar it's like oh very God. intricate it yes yeah, intricate like uh um brick laying work and it's so intricate so i think it was in the 20s when they found it this this idiotic british guy came in and he in his racism was like well the africans couldn't have built it even though it's in africa um so he's like must be the phoenicians the phoenicians <laughs> must have built it here uh, but he was such an idiot. Even other white men are like, so he went in and he was like, well, I'm getting rid of all the trash of the Africans to, to, so he basically like bulldozed and lost a whole oh bunch God. of like important information. Even, even other white men are like, motherfucker, what are you doing? Why? Why would you do that? Why would you do that? Cause he's like, Phoenicians, we got to find the work of the Phoenicians. And it's, it's also similarly, you know how they say the Mayans, um, uh, is it the Mayans or the? Yeah, I think it might be the Mayans. How they disappeared and like they abandoned their city, and they we still haven't quite figured out. Yeah, what that I is. think it's the Mayans. Yeah, something happened in this area too that the people just sort of left, so they're not really sure why. Um, but they a lot of it is still intact, and it's it's beautiful. And I'm like, oh god, I want to go to Zimbabwe. And apparently, even in modern day, it's a bone of contention with uh, Black African scholars. And other scholars who refuse to give the credit for building these, these like very advanced, like, like it's a whole town. There's a whole like uh, town built like this. No mortar, no, like what's the, the moist thing that's in the town. middle? The, you can go online. You yeah. Go online. Okay. I'm going to look um, it up. 
But this motherfucker comes in there and he was like, the Phoenicians must have done this. So let me let me just bulldoze my way through this. And they were How like, much, what? Did he destroy the whole thing? No. He, he, de- he destroyed a lot of evidence. What a fucker. Because listen, I have seen every Indiana Jones movie. So I yes, know I, archaeology. Yes. Okay. Uh, no, listen, I'm, I too am an archaeologist because of those movies. So and I, I know you. that you have to, I've, I've seen uh, uh, Jurassic Park. I know that you have to slowly brush. Yeah. Gently brush. Like, even I know this. Okay. So this fucker goes in there and he's like, basically the modern equivalent of bulldozing. Like, a whole bunch of evidence. So he destroyed a lot of the evidence. And uh, before his uh, superiors could be like, you fired because you were an idiot. Yeah. Um, Peace out. Get on a plane. Bye. But he's like, I'm just getting rid of the trash so we can get down to what the Phoenicians. I'm like, what? Oh, my God. Why? It's, ex- I mean, so stupid. So stupid. But it's all designed to go into white supremacy. Again, white is made up. Black is yep. made up. Yep. Asians made up. Yep. It's all yellow, red. All of that is made up. It used to be just about uh, what continent you were on, right? And even in, in on the continent of Europe, again, they fought a hundred plus year war uh, with their neighbors. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. you know, but once they decide, it's all about money, but it's also racism is not just about like money or power. It's also about like feeling superior it's it really is to like others yeah you want to be like oh well they just want to survive that's their way of feeling like they can no it's it's really selfish and bad like it's there's really no justification for it, it it's it's done on purpose too and yeah. we've seen throughout history uh men uh you know getting rid of the contributions of women and femmes and mm-hmm. you know and saying oh it didn't matter and then you know uh, wiping out their influence on something and like to know that there's this history the fact that this has survived despite this yeah. attempt is really really interesting but three thousand years three thousand years and that I is mean, the warrior queen of kush kandake amaranis let's amaranis. talk about her all the time i'm going to teach my children i'm going to teach their friends like and and uh, one extra thing before we uh, before I wrap her up, um, one final note rather, she was known as like the one eyed queen because she had lost an eye in battle. Oh God, okay. And she was. They're like, yeah, that's our queen, though. Yeah, I mean, she like, probably she's probably proud. Have you seen uh, um, the Woman King yet? No, I I I know. You know what? I'm so mad. It took me so long to watch that movie. That movie is fucking phenomenal. Okay. And the fact that the Oscars ignored it mm. is exactly what we're talking about here. That movie is fucking phenomenal. Like, and people are like, oh, it's not historically accurate. Uh, no, no shit, Sherlock. Of really? course it's not historically accurate. Uh, yeah, it's fiction. It's, uh, yeah. Like, but it, That's it, it, your problem with it? <laughs> but the, the character that Viola Davis plays kind of reminds me of this woman. Yeah, it's all about like they actually were like, oh, you got your first scar. Yeah, yeah, you're a warrior because it's all about being a warrior. Like, you know, so I highly I'm telling you, you, Sal and the kids will love this movie. I was so mad when I watched it that it took me so long to watch it. I just realized my kids are going to love it. 
I'm telling oh, yeah. you. And online, a lot of the bad, like even from some black people who are like, oh, it's not historically accurate. I'm like, it's a fucking movie, y'all. Get out for yourself. Listen, like, not- do you know a movie based on a true anything that's like 100%, 100% historically accurate? I don't. I don't. It is so good. I'm, t- I'm telling I was pissed when I finally watched it. I was like, because I, I, I watched this, I read the stuff online. I was like, oh, you know, and I was so mad when I watched this movie. I was like, this movie is so fucking good and it's enjoyable. Like, it's like entertaining on top of it. It's I so will good. watch it. I will it watch so it. Good. So I, yeah, I highly, highly recommend The Woman King. And I mean, these women have been kicking ass. It, but you know what? Even though they try and ignore and deny that these facts <laughs> we're living in a time where people are trying to do that now mm-hmm. um yeah. eventually the truth will will out so yeah yeah i believe that too you know it's so. honestly like i've i discovered this right out of college it's not that hard to find the truth that's the thing that gets me no yeah. there's literally google like mm-hmm. you don't have to get in your car or on your bike drive down or ride down to the the local library and learn the Dewey Decimal System, which I still never figured out. And no, yeah, but we don't have harass, to worry about that anymore. Exactly. Harass a librarian, like, where can I find this book? Oh, you don't have this book? Can you order this book? You can literally go online for free okay. if you have internet or if you have a phone service and find information if you have a question about something. I looked something up the other day because... I'm, I'm, the pandemic has made me very dumb. Um, yeah, and that's fine. Uh, I, same boat. And I'm like, what does that mean? Or what was that? And I went and Googled something like very simple. Now I can't remember it, of course, because I'm, yeah, a brain. I do brain that all thought. the time. I go into Google and I ask the question. Just ask the question. You know, like, it's how not to make that hard. roast chicken. And it will give you 19 recipes of roast chicken. You know what I'm saying? When we finish, I have not done my um, my salmon for today. I literally, and I finally put it into my phone, like <laughs> in the air fryer. I understand. 400 or 390 at 13 minutes. Okay. Boom. It's done. Like literally, if you like, I want to cook ribs in the air fryer. There's 511 videos on how to yep. do ribs in yep. the air fryer. It's not a problem. So if you want to know our real human history, go to the Google. It's there. Go to the google i found it in books you just have to look books that are interesting when history is interesting it's probably true i'll do you one (laughs) better there's people who are doing the work youtube yeah all kinds of historians there the other day i watched one about marie antoinette what she probably looked like fascinating uh, what'd she look like she she basically looked like a basic girl (laughs) yeah um, because they also make the point that, you know, the portraits is not really what they look like, but kind of, it's basically the original, um, uh, filter. Right. Um, but she was like, like, fine. <laughs> she looks but they fine. Did her, she looks fine. I mean, she, she cute, but she definitely probably not as attractive as her pictures because they have her death mask. So they recreated oh. it and it, they have them one on Napoleon. They have them on all a bunch of people. And I was like, that is so fascinating. Like what she probably kind of looked like. She, she today she'd be like oh she's cute you wouldn't necessarily be like oh my gosh she's so beautiful but you'd be like oh she's cute like i mean that's what i thought i was like oh she wasn't cute you know and like marriageable okay oh yeah yeah i mean she was considered a great 
she was considered beautiful for that time. And again, that's another thing, like, you know, what was considered really, really mm-hmm. attractive is may yep. not be, it may be just sort of like regular now, but it's just like um, taste. But my point is, is that you can, you can go in there, you can watch videos of like someone just set up a camera in like 1930 or 1950 and just in Manhattan or in LA. And it's just people driving in these big ass cars and all made up and walking down the street and like, you can find all this stuff. And there's his, there's historians and actual scholars who are actually doing the work because they want, they know that knowledge is power. Lavetta, total side note. Don't mm-hmm. you think YouTube should sponsor us? I'm just saying. This is a great commercial for YouTube. I mean. Hashtag YouTube. I'm just I saying mean, YouTube. I mean, there. Like, I mean, we can do a commercial for Me? it. Doesn't. Yeah, you want you want to say you want to learn how to do salmon in the air fryer? YouTube it. YouTube it. <laughs> but I mean, to your point, all of this stuff is there, and that's why people are trying to um, to get rid of it and to hide it. Yeah, because it's. And I mean, there's also the power of like the 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 physical book too. There's something mm-hmm. that I miss about that, even though you can read on your Kindle or your iPad. You know what, you know what else you could you do? Know. You could could download the Notorious Women podcast (laughs) today. (laughs) Oh, that was smooth. And on that note, (laughs) that wraps it up for our latest episode of Notorious Women podcast. Guys, remember to follow us on all the things. You can find us on every podcatcher you can think of. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio. You can find us, but... We also want you to share it. Get the word out there. You know, just copy the link, send it to your friend. It's easy. It's easy. Right? Spread the love. Spread the love. Um, if you want to support us uh, financially, you can always do that at We Love the Moolah. You can do that at patreon.com slash notoriouswomen. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash notorious women you can become a patron of the podcast for as little as two dollars a month you can do five dollars a month do ten dollars a month or you can do a one-time donation of two hundred thousand dollars it's up to you i'm just yeah spitballing I mean, here you know i mean at this point we'll take 10 20 000. i mean that'd be good yeah. that's a good start no, that's, that's a true. good start let's like calm down miriam i hear you <laughs> No, but I mean, I'm all about that $200,000. I you mean, know. we pay our taxes. In case always, girl. Uncle Sam is listening because, you know. <laughs> no, always, but, uh, girl. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, for as little as $2 a month, we'll take that or whatever you, you know, feel in your heart to contribute if you'd like to do that. Again, you can find that at patreon.com slash Notorious Women. And Miriam will tell you in other ways you can support the show. Yeah, you can follow us on Instagram. Uh, so easy. It's Notorious Women Podcast. Um, we're, we have fun there. Come join us. Um, and you can DM us there if you want. I always check that. And uh, if you want to email us instead, you can email us at NotoriousWMPod at gmail.com. Yeah. That is great. And if you have any uh, additional things you want to say about uh, the notorious women that we covered today. We always encourage you to, you know, DM us, email yes, us, tell us, give us some feedback. We'll talk about it. Yeah, I mean, we're not too. I mean, I am very, very smart. I don't know about Miriam, but uh, wow, girl. I, okay, like I heard you because you said that out loud. 
Okay, I don't know if you knew that. Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, that was out loud. I'm very smart. I'm not defensive. You know I love you. We are. No, I have. I'm telling you, the (laughs) pandemic has made me very, very dumb. So, uh, but yeah, on that note, guys, we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.